You know, two weeks ago, I turned 32 years old. And for 30 of my 32 years on this planet, I have not had health insurance because health insurance is crazy expensive. Can I get an amen? amen. I said, yeah, oh my goodness, it's so expensive. And so, for the last 30 years of my life, I had had one health plan, one health insurance, one health care plan. And that plan is don't get sick, right? It's really easy. Don't roll your ankle, okay? Don't get the flu. Avoid sick people. And when you get sick, take some Tylenol, get some duct tape, whatever it takes. Just avoid the doctor and avoid those bills. And up until this point, it's worked for me, right? I've had a few minor accidents here and there, but generally I've saved a lot of money by not having health insurance. But when we got kids, Maya was like Kevin. We are taking our kids to the doctor. You need to buy health insurance. And so when Michael was born and we got broke, we said, okay, well, let's, let's go on the internet, let's search. And right now, I feel like I still don't have health insurance because it's still crazy expensive and I still have to pay a lot of money, but I technically have health insurance for me and my whole family. And uh, I remember last year, around this time last year, Maya, she said, Kevin, you should go to the eye doctor because we have health insurance and you know, we're already paying for it. So you might as well go and get an eye check. And I said, Maya, I've never been to the eye doctor. I can see you. I'm fine. I don't need to go to the eye doctor. That's dumb. And she said, Kevin, you've already paid. I mean, might as well go. It's a free visit. And so I said, you know what? Whatever, I'll go. And I signed up. And I've never been to the eye doctor before. And I go in. And they start looking at my eyes. They start shining flashlights in them and telling me to look up and down and sideways. And then I get in a machine, and th this machine takes a picture of the back of my eyeballs. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I did that. And finally, I get into the doctor's office. And she sits me down, and she puts me in front of this machine. If you've ever been to the eye doctor, I guess you know what I'm talking about. She puts me in front of this machine, and she's like, read the first line. And I read it. And then she clicks a button, and something, you know, like goes in front of my face, and she says, read the second line. And then she clicks a button, read the third line. We do this over and over and over. And about like the 16th line, she says, read the line, and I'll read it. And she clicks a button, and I have never seen letters so clear in my entire life. I, I freaked out, and I actually started laughing. And she was like, what's funny? I was like, I don't know what you just did. But that was amazing. And so she's laughing, I'm laughing, I'm like, this is crazy. And she's like, can you read this line? And I read it, and she's like, sweet. And so she says, you're done, and I back away, and she goes over to her computer, and she starts typing. She says, okay, well, I'm gonna get you your prescription, and uh, you'll, you'll be ready to go in about two weeks. And I'm over here, I've never been to the eye doctor, and I'm like, prescription, what are you talking about? Like a prescription is something you get when you go to the doctor and you get sick and they give you some medicine, this is the eye doctor. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And she says, well, I'm gonna get you some glasses, I'm ordering some glasses and you'll have them in two weeks. And I, very matter-of-factly, looked at her and said, I don't need glasses. And she said, yeah, you do. You just proved that you do. And I was like, no, 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 no. I've made it so far in my life, I'm good. I can read anything I can see, I'm fine. I don't need glasses. And so she is almost like, well, I'm a doctor, right? Why are you arguing with me? I'm telling you, you just failed a bunch of tests. You need glasses. And so we, we kind of have this standoff. And I look at her and I say, hey, I can read anything in this room. I said, you see that sign over there, the sign I just read? I said, I can read the bottom line. And she looks at me kind of confused, like, why is he so adamant against wearing glasses? And I said, I can read the bottom line. You want me to? And she says, sure, read it. And I look, and to her amazement, I read it. And I said, see, I'm fine. I got it right, right? And she looks at me 
kind of like scratching her head, and she takes like three or four seconds to just think, and then she says, okay, can you read it again? Except this time, cover your right eye. And I look, and I cover my eye. And y'all, I'm blind, okay? I, had, I was like, what? Like, it blew my mind. I covered my light up. I couldn't see anything. It was just fuzzy, blurry black letters. And I start laughing, she starts laughing. I'm like, this is amazing. How have I been able to operate this long without doing that? And she explained to me, well, your, your left eye compensates your right eye. I, I can't even remember. But she's like, one of your eyes is working extra hard. And she said, notice next time you really want to see something, you'll wink. And I'm like, I didn't even realize that I did that. I just do it. And I've had this problem for so long, but I never knew. And I, I never would have known unless I went to the doctor and unless her, I allowed her to come in and to investigate and look under the hood of my eyeballs and search and figure out and check on me. You know, this morning we are uh, starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers. And I'm going to assume two things about you. This morning I'm going to assume that you don't like church. That you don't really believe in God. You're not really sure about how you feel about Jesus. And when it comes to your prayer life, it really doesn't exist. Because the idea of you talking to someone in the sky that's really not there, like, you might do it a few times, but you don't really have a regular prayer life. And I need you to know, that's okay. We are happy that you are here. We are stoked that you're hanging out with us in a movie theater on a Sunday morning, right? This is a place for you. This is a great place to ask difficult questions, to explore what you believe, and to discover who Jesus really is. We are so, so excited that you are here. But for everyone else in the room, I'm going to assume something else. I'm going to assume that you are like me, and that you believe in Jesus, and that you believe in God, and that you like church, and that when it comes to your prayer life, you do, at least on somewhat of a regular basis, talk to God. But I'm also going to assume that just like me, your prayer life is pretty easy. And what I mean by that is you pray for easy things. You pray that God would keep you safe. And you, you pray that God would protect you and your family as you go on this road trip. You pray for healing because you're sick or your family member's sick or your friend's sick and you want them to get better. And you pray for uh, wisdom, right? Especially if you're in middle school, high school, you pray that God would let you pass this test, right? <laughs> See, we all pray for these things. They're easy prayers. And I'm not saying at all that they're bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything like that. These are good prayers. You should pray these things. All I'm saying is they're pretty easy. When is the last time that you prayed something dangerous? When's the last time that you asked God to challenge you? When's the last time you asked God to stretch you or to force you to trust him? You know, there's this saying out there. And the saying is, never pray for patience. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah. Don't ever pray for patience. And why do they say that? Well, the only way to get better at patience is to practice patience. And when you pray that God would make you patient, he is going to put you through a lot of practice. He's going to send a lot of things your life away, a lot of difficult situations, and it's going to be very difficult for you, and you are going to develop patience, but it's going to be a painful process to get there. And so you know what we do? We back away and we say, nah, I'm going to pray for safety. 
I'm gonna pray for protection, I'm gonna pray for wisdom, I'm gonna pray for healing. And we stick to these easy prayers because we're scared of the dangerous prayers. But here at our church, we have one mission. It's four words, it's really easy to remember. Our mission as a church, we wanna help people discover Jesus. And you cannot discover Jesus by only praying easy prayers. God cannot challenge you, you cannot grow unless you pray some dangerous prayers. So over the next few weeks, we are going to be studying some dangerous prayers in Scripture. And we're going to be challenging ourselves, myself included. We're going to see what it's looked like to trust God and to pray dangerous prayers. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we are going to start in Psalms chapter 139. If you don't have a Bible... It's totally fine. We have the words here on the screen for you. But we also have a table outside, and uh, it says, no Bible, no problem, take one on us. And we mean it, right? It's our gift to you. It's free. You don't have to ask. You don't have to pay. You can just grab it in secret on your way out. But when you get home, read that bad boy. Read the book of Matthew and start reading the Gospels. Start reading the, the recorded life of Jesus, and we promise you it will change your life. Uh, but today we're going to be in Psalms, chapter 139. If you do have an actual physical Bible, even though it's super dark in here to read, uh, you can just open that thing up to the middle and you'll likely be in Psalms. Uh, Psalms, Psalms 139, we'll start in verse 1. It says this. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts when I'm even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. If you've never read the book of Psalms, this is pretty much uh, how a lot of the Psalms go. All it is is poems and songs and prayers that people have written to God. And a lot of that, when I say people, a lot of it is written by King David, right? King David was, you know, David and Goliath, he was the king of Israel, right? King David wrote the majority of this book, and he's writing prayers that he's sending up to God. So right here, you just read David praying to God, and up until this point, it's a pretty easy prayer, right? He basically says, God, thank you for everything. He says, you place your blessing on my head, and you know everything about me. You, you protect me. You keep me safe. In fact, in the next few verses, he prays for protection from his enemies. I mean, this whole prayer is pretty easy until we get to verse 23. Check this out. It says in verse 23, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David goes from praying this very easy prayer, and in just four lines, he goes from praying an easy prayer to a very dangerous prayer. I mean, this dude goes from zero to 100 real quick, all right? He gets really, really risky, really, really scary. And this morning, I want to talk about this prayer. I want to talk about these four lines. And I want to talk about what David asks God to do in his life. And the first thing that he asks him to do is search me. Look at that line right here in verse 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, for those of you that know me, you know I'm very opinionated, 
Okay. I think Zaxby's is better than Chick-fil-A. I think Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Uh, no, LeBron James! LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Michael Jordan is a good second, okay? Uh, I'm very opinionated, really, I just like stirring the pot. I like to say my opinions. I like to reveal who I am and what's going on. I like to reveal who I am to you. And, and a lot of you could represent me. A lot of you could say what I believe or, or talk to me on my behalf because you know me because I've chosen to reveal myself to you. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's actually going on in my head unless I tell you. The same is true with you. You cannot tell me everything about you unless you choose to. I cannot know who you are until you make the decision to reveal yourself to me. This is how relationships work. And for the most part, it works good. But here's the problem. Sometimes we lie. We lie to each other. Someone says, hey, how are you doing? You say, I'm fine. You are not fine. You are just choosing to keep all of that in your head. You're choosing to keep all of that in your heart. And you're not revealing what's really wrong. I see this in my marriage all the time. I'm like, Maya, are you sure it's okay if I play video games and you give the kids a bath and clean up dinner and, and put everything away? And she says, yeah, Kevin, it's fine. It's not fine, right? I've learned that. It's not fine. She is just choosing to not tell me the truth. She's choosing to not reveal what's really going on in her head. And the thing is, not only do we lie to each other, we lie to ourselves. We try to rationalize. We try to justify what's really going on and what we're really doing. We say, man, I don't drink that much. I don't have a problem. I can stop anytime I want to. Sure, I'm talking to this person, but we're just talking, and I'm not like running around with my family. Everything's just fine. I mean, we lie to each other. We lie to ourselves. But David here, he asked God something dangerous. He says, God, I want you to do what only you can do. I want you to search me. I want you to look in my mind and look in my heart and look all throughout my body. He says, I want to be completely vulnerable. I want to be completely exposed to you. I want you to know everything. And then the next thing goes right along with it. The second thing he says is to reveal my fears. Check out this next line. It says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, uh, there's a guy, and his name is Craig Rochelle. And uh, I like to give credit where credit is due. He actually wrote this. This is a book. And he wrote it, and uh, he preached on it. He's a really, really good speaker, really good pastor. And he has this saying out there. It's really, really good. He says, what you fear the most tells you where you trust God the least, right? What you fear the most is where you trust God the least. And we're not talking about like snakes, like, oh, I'm afraid of snakes. We're just talking about like, man, some of you are, you fear rejection. We're not talking about like spiders, right? Some of you, you have the fear of failure. Some of you have the fear of loss, like losing something or losing someone, someone really important to you. Some of you have the fear of the unknown. Right? What's going to happen tomorrow? Oh my goodness, are we going to be okay? I mean, all of us, we all have these fears. We all have this anxiety. And unless we know what we fear, we'll never know where we trust God the least. And we'll never know what to do about it. We'll never know how to fix it. You know, I have a two-year-old, and his name is Micah. And uh, when he was born, and he first started eating, like, foods, you know, like food food, uh, we would have dinner, and he would enjoy dinner, and it would be really, really good. But then like an hour later, two hours later, sometimes like six hours later, his whole body would just swell up. 
and dude would have like rash and hives and you know scratches and everything and we just felt like terrible parents right we're like man we're killing our son something's happening we're not doing this thing very good and so we took him to the allergy doctor because i have health insurance we took him to the allergy doctor and they did this test on him and you know if you've ever been to the allergy doctor they put a bunch of stuff in you on your back and then they wait for stuff to pop up and that's what you're allergic to and it turns out this dude is allergic to Everything, okay? He's allergic to eggs and soy and peanut butter and life and air and grass and everything, right? He's still allergic to everything. But until we knew what he was, what was actually the problem, we couldn't do anything about it. Now that we know, when we're at home, we don't eat that stuff, and he doesn't swell up and die, right? It's really easy. It's that simple. Now that we know the problems, now that we're revealed, a son is living his best life, not having a rash or not having hives 24-7. Unless we know what we're afraid of, unless we know where we trust God the least, then we can't do anything about it. God, David, says, you know, God, I want you to search me. I want you to reveal what I fear. And then, even scarier, he says in this next part, he says, I want you to uncover my sins. Look at this. In verse 24, it says, point out anything in me that offends you. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but we live in the most offended generation of people ever. Everyone is offended. Everyone is on edge. Everyone is looking to be offended. I mean, we're just walking around so entitled. And you can't say that to me because you disagree with me or you hurt my feelings and I'm offended and I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to cancel this. And everyone is just so angry. We literally can't watch the NFL without it being a headline news of someone doing something that offended or upset something. It's like we're so offended. But David, David here flips it. And he says, no, 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 God. He says, what have I done to offend you? You tell me what's wrong in my life. You tell me the sins of my life. You tell me what I'm doing to upset you. And this is a dangerous prayer. But to be honest with you, some of you don't even have to pray it because you know. You know what you've done. You know the people that you've hurt. You know the words that you've said. You know the things that you struggle with. You know that thing that no one else knows about. You don't have to pray that God would show you your sin. You are very aware of it. You know, this same, this same guy, David, uh, uh, earlier in his life, he, uh, he got into some really big turmoil. He had an affair with someone. And then as if that wasn't a big enough deal, right, on top of it, he killed the guy that he had an affair with, right? Yeah, it's a really big deal. You should read about it. And so David has this whole scandal, and he gets called out. And fortunately for David, he repents. He, he owns up to it. You know, he apologizes. He tries to make it right. And in Psalms 51, a few chapters earlier, he's praying to God about this whole situation. And this is what he says in Psalms 51, verse 1. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then he says this, For I know my transgression." And my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you were right in your verdict and justified when you judge. I mean, some of us, we know what we're doing is wrong. We know what we've done. We know the mistakes that we've caused. We don't have to pray about it at all. Now, at this point, I can't speak for you, but I am 
and exhausted. You're talking to someone who does not like being vulnerable. You're talking to someone who pushes their emotions down, who covers it up with work or exercise or video games or whatever, fill in the blank. You're talking to someone who would literally do any other thing except this. And you want me to stand before God and expose myself and be completely vulnerable? You want him to show me all of my fears? You want me to uncover all of my sin, all of the stuff that I already pretty much know? This sounds terrifying to me. Why would we pray this? I mean, is it to make you feel guilty? Is it to make you feel bad? Is it to make you feel shame because it's working? Why in the world would we pray something like this? And I think the fourth thing is what brings it all home. David prays, after all of this, he says, lead me to eternal life. Check this out. He says, I'm going to read it all over again. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me in my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This morning, you need to know that when we allow God to check on us, we really allow God to change us. When we allow God to check in, when we allow God to check us and examine us and investigate us, we are allowing him to change us, to heal us, to restore us. The same way I go to the eye doctor and they look under the hood and it's really scary and bright and confusing and you know, kind of difficult. And I wouldn't get better unless I went and I let her do her job. Man, you in here, look, you are, are trying to cover up, trying to hide, trying to conceal. And God says, no, David says, no, let me in. Let me see how bad it is. Because I'm not just going to make you feel bad. I'm going to change you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. And you're going to live a life that you've never lived before after I'm done with you. You know, when I was a kid, and I'm sure you did this as a kid. I'm pretty sure every kid struggles with this and goes through this. Uh, I got into some sort of, I don't know, bike accident or I fell down or I scraped my knee, whatever. It happened a million times, right? Jam your fingers in a car door or your sister hits you or whatever, right? You come to your mom or your grandma or your aunt or your dad or whoever it is that raised you. You come to them with an injury, a scraped knee on your elbow, all right? You come to them and you are bawling, right? You fell down and you're bleeding and you're like, oh my goodness. And you know how it goes. You go to your mom and say, oh yes. And she's like, what's wrong? I feel like I scraped my knee and it hurts so bad. And you know what your mom says. Your mom says, okay, well, let me see it. And you know what you do, right? When she says, let me see it. No, 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 no. Right? Don't look at it. No, no, no. And you're so worried. You're so worried about what's underneath there. You're so worried that, you know, you're going to be able to see your bone or your elbow or whatever it is. Right? You're so terrified. And so you know what your mom does? Your mom, she doesn't force it, right? She sits you down. She pats you back. She gives you some water to drink. She, she makes you breathe. She makes you talk. She wipes your tears away. She says, hey, it's okay. She gives you a foundation of trust and a foundation of love. She says, okay. She says, all I'm going to do is just look at it. I'm not going to touch it at all. I just want to see it. Could you show it to me? You know, it takes you about five minutes, but you after you go the, you know after you get over that, right? After you get over that, you take your hand and what do you do? You you open it up and you let your mom see and you see and you're like, okay, it's not that bad. I thought it was gonna be way worse. I thought I wasn't gonna have an elbow, but like, oh, it's just a little scrape. 
And so your mom examines it and you examine it. And you know what happens next. Your mom says, okay, I got a little medicine. No, 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 no. We're not putting any medicine on this. Are you kidding me? It's going to be so painful. Right? And you cover it up again. And you know what has to happen. Your mom has to do it all over again. She has to calm me down. She's saying, hey, it's okay. I'm going to put this medicine on you. Everything's going to be fine. She says, it's going to tingle. It's going to tickle a little bit. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to feel so much better. And you have to get to a point where you trust your mom. But eventually, you open up. And eventually, you let her do what moms do. And she fixes it. And she puts medicine on it. And it doesn't hurt at all. It's just a little tingle. Everything's fine. She puts a Band-Aid on it. And you are on your way to playing. And then, even though it might be tender for you know, a day or two, but in like three, four, five days, it's like nothing ever even happened. And then after the scab goes away, it's, it's brand new. But that would not happen. We would have infected if we just left it all to ourselves, if we just covered it up forever. And there's no way to live life. You have to open up. You have to let your mom do her job and heal you. Some of us in here, we look at our lives and we say, man, it's messy. It's broken. It's messed up. I, I don't want to look at that. It's easier for me to just avoid it. Some of us in here would say, man, our marriage? Oh, no. It's easier to just work. It's easier to focus on the kids. I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even want to look at that. Our addiction? No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm just going to act like I don't have one. Our anger, our unforgiveness, our fill-in-the-blank, our jealousy, our gossip, or whatever it is. We say, no, 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 there's no way. There's no way I'm going to look at that. It's way too bad. I'm just going to act like nothing ever happened. I'm just going to live my whole life like this. And God is telling you, no, no, no. Let me just look at it. Let me just look at it. And one of you, one of these days, you're going to get comfortable enough to let him look at it. Some of you have already started to open up. But then one day he's going to say, hey, can I do something about that? Can I fix that? Can I heal that? Can I give you what you need? And some of us, most of us, say, no, 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 I'm not ready for that. But it's okay. We serve a loving and a patient God. And he's pursuing us. And he's calming us down. And he is showing us every single day, hey, you can trust me. I love you. I have your best interest in mind. And one day, we can trust him. And he, after opening it up, after searching us, after searching our fears, after uncovering our sin, he is going to lead us to everlasting life. But he can't change you unless you let him check you. And so this morning, as we start this series, I have a challenge for you. On your way out, we created business cards. They're literally business cards. You got them from Staples. On your way out, it's a business card, and all it is is this prayer right here. Search me and know me and test my ancient thoughts. Test, test my fears. Show me my sin. Uncover what I'm doing to, to upset you and to, to offend you. And lead me to everlasting life, the path that leads everlasting life. My challenge to you this morning is to take one of those cards and take it seriously. And when you're ready, some of you might not even be ready. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to stay like this for a while. That's okay. It takes time. But when you're ready to open up, to trust God, I dare you to pray that prayer. Keep it in your car by your speedometer. Keep it on your mirror. Keep it by your nightstand. Whatever it is. Keep it in your pocket. I don't care. Whatever it is. You see it you pray for it. Try it. I dare you. Just try it for a week and see 
how good God is. Might be painful, might be sensitive, but guess what? You are going to be changed by the creator of the universe. And he's going to heal you, he's going to restore you, and you have no idea what's down the road for you. This morning, I want to encourage you. Allow God to check you so that God can change you. So that he can heal you, so that he can love you, so that he can show you the life that he has designed for you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being so patient with us, especially when we don't deserve it. God, thank you for, for loving us despite our flaws, despite our mistakes. God, even though sometimes we're stubborn, stubborn and we, we hide from you and we seal things from you. God, you already know us. But Father, I pray that you would allow us to trust you. That you would allow us to open up to pray a dangerous prayer. For you to search us. For you to reveal our fears. For, for you to uncover our sin. And God, we promise, we, 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 we hope in your promise that you will lead us to everlasting life. God, I pray for anyone here today who's on the fence, who's covering up, who's not really sure, God, I pray that you would have their back, that you would reassure them, that you love them, and that you're here for them. And God, as a church, I pray that we can take care of each other, that we can love each other as we go through this. God, know that we're not alone. Father, we love you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.